Today we uh, continue in our series that we are in this summer. We've uh, entitled it Salah, which is a word that's used all throughout the Psalms. It's used 71 different times in Psalms. It's used three other times in the book of Habakkuk. And it's a, a word that means, and you might see it a lot when you read Psalms or sing a song, it's a word that means to pause and to carefully consider. And so we decided that the summertime is a, is a good time to pause and carefully consider God's word. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 115. Today we're going to be there in Psalm 115. Not every psalm that we uh, are looking at has that word, Salah, or some, some of you may have heard it uh, pronounced Selah or uh, Selah. Um, it really doesn't matter, but it is a word that literally means that we should stop and consider what has been said or what is about ready to be said or sung or read or written. And, and it's a word that, that really kind of drives home this idea of us taking a pause. And so that's what we're going to be doing this summer. That's what we are doing this summer. We're in our third uh, of these uh, as we walk through this this summer. And we're going to be today in Psalm 115, one of, one of I believe, the most beautiful psalms as we take a look at... Um, God's word. Let's, uh, let's ask him to, to guide us. So would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we pray that you would just be with us, that your Holy Spirit would lead us into truth and to knowledge, and that your Holy Spirit would give us wisdom and understanding into the truth of your word. May we leave here not the same people that we came in, but may we leave here changed because of the work that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. One of my favorite things, I kind of mentioned this last week, one of my favorite things about summer is grilling. I, I love to grill. And uh, my dad, uh, I mentioned last week on Father's Day that my dad, that's one of the great things he taught me, taught me how to play golf. He would have been embarrassed the last, last, last week when I played golf, uh, and he wouldn't have wanted me to give him credit for teaching me how to play golf if he had seen me on the golf course this week. Uh, but uh, he taught me how to play golf, and he taught me how to grill, and he taught me that you can grill anything. I mentioned that last week. Well, for Father's Day, I got to have Father's Day a little bit early uh, because Sean was not going to be with us on Father's Day. So we, it kind of my family celebrated it. They made lunch for me the week before, and uh, they gave me a couple gifts. And all of these gifts had to do; they were all grilling tools. All right, and that's a great, isn't that a great Father's Day gift? If you're if you're a, a man or father that likes to grill out, that's awesome, isn't it? And one of the gifts they gave me was this cast iron wood smoker that I could put on top of the grill to give the chicken and the fish and the steak and the veggies and the mushrooms that great like smoky flavor. Oh man, I love it. Are, are you getting hungry? Uh, mesquite and, and hickory and my favorite is applewood. That's the best kind. If you're out there and you see all the bags of, of, of different types of wood chips, you get the apple wood, okay? Trust me, it's much, much better. Okay, so uh, what I used to do is I used to take a, a, a tinfoil and I used to put the wood chips in the tinfoil and I'd take the tinfoil and poke a few holes in it and I'd put it on top of the grill or I'd put it down near the flame and it would produce over time, it would produce a, a little bit of smoke. But what, um, what I found out and what I read when I got this great cast iron uh, wood smoker is, is that this will produce uh, the smoke, that, that smoke that makes it, gives it that flavor um, for, for a longer period of time. So last Saturday night, 
uh, I put some wood chips in there and, and put it on the grill, and I turned it up a little bit. Well, after about 15 minutes of, of it burning, um, there really wasn't much happening. So I'm like, all right, I, I don't want to run out of propane, so I you know, want to get this thing going here real quick. So I turned it up a little bit, and after about five minutes, it was up a little bit higher. The flame was up a little bit higher. Um, it wasn't doing much more than it was for the first 15 minutes. And so then I went over, and I turned it up a little bit more. And um, finally, after about three or four of those times turning it up and up and up, I turned my grill up as, as high as it'll go. And that's it. And I closed the grill, and I looked out after about five minutes, and I saw smoke. And I'm like, awesome, we're ready to grill. And then, no kidding, two minutes later, I saw fire coming out of the sides <laughs> of the grill. And very, very quickly, the wood chips that were in that cast iron skillet went from like producing that great smoke that gave that meat flavor to producing nothing. There was nothing left in there. All that was left in there was a few ambers and ash. And it was consumed immediately. That wood was consumed immediately. And, and so I guess I have to learn how to use this thing. And I think what you're supposed to do is turn it all the way up and then turn it down. You don't keep increasing the heat or the fire will consume all the wood and all you'll have is crispy chicken, which is what we probably had that night, I think, or maybe it was fish. I can't remember. But um, anyway, I got thinking that night about this idea. By the way, you probably don't want to live next door to me. If you do, it might be dangerous. So anyway, because I'm out there a lot on that grill and there's a lot of times there's flames coming out of the side of that thing for some reason. I don't know why. But it caused me to think about this idea or this word or this phrase being consumed by something or being consumed with something. And it's interesting, as, as that happened um, last Saturday night, and as that wood turned from, you know, something that was, you know, a solid to something that was just ash and there was really nothing left in there, um, I got thinking about the fact that um, when you and I are consumed with something or when we're consumed by something, um, we, we, if we're consumed by the wrong thing, we have nothing left to give when we're done. And that word consumed has a lot of different definitions in the English language. I'll give you a few here. Um, the first one is um, to destroy or to expend by use or to use up, to consume something. To destroy as, um, by decomposition or burning. I learned that one last Saturday night really well. Um, it can mean Dave Ramsey wouldn't like this. To spend money wastefully, all right? That's not a Dave Ramsey principle at all, all right? And then there's a, there are two other definitions that I, I want to kind of land on today. It means to eat or drink up or devour or to absorb or to engross, like just to like take something in. To be consumed with something means that you take every bit of it, that you take it all, that you take it in, that you drink it up that you experience it fully, and that's kind of in our vernacular how we sometimes use that is, is we kind of use it in place of the word maybe obsession, and we say that we're consumed with or we're consumed by something in our lives. And it's interesting because we may have a, a person, we may have people, we may have an interest, we may have a hobby, we may have a team, we may have a sport. We may have something in our lives that really does consume us. And I think that we know that we've been consumed by something when it takes up all of our time and all of our resources and all of our energy and all of our effort. 
We look back at our lives and realize that our time and resources and energy and effort is being taken up by something. That something is the thing that we are being consumed with or being consumed by. In the days of this passage that we're going to read, and in Old Testament times in that nation of Israel, the times when they were in the desert and they were walking and they were were experiencing all the things that we read about in the Old Testament, there were times when the nation of Israel was consumed with their God, capital G, the God of the universe, the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that we serve today, and the God that we worship here today. There were times that they were consumed with God, that they were taken up with worshiping with their lives and with their actions and with whatever they had. They, they, were, they were taken up with that. They, they, they did everything to its fullest in terms of worshiping God. And then they would go through long periods of time when they were consumed, usually following those times that they were consumed by God. There would be long periods of times where they were consumed with something else. And in fact, you can really see that when the people of God gave up on God, they turned to other gods, small g. When the people of God would give up on God, when they would look around and think that he's not providing for them or he's not satisfying their needs or he's not doing things in the way that they want to, they would so quickly turn to other gods, small g. And the Bible, especially the Old Testament and even the New Testament, talks a lot about following idols and following false gods, and and that's kind of an Old Testament concept. And I'm so glad that today we don't have idols and other gods in our lives that we have in place of the one true God. (laughs) Those of you who laughed are paying attention because that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, I would suggest to you today that um, in our modern time in 2017, we have um, exponentially more things that can become gods. Small g. And they may not be made out of metal or wood, and they may not be things that could be destroyed physically, but they are things that, that, that take everything from us. They take our time and our energy and our resources and our efforts. And the problem is, is that you and I were created so that God, the one true God, is the one that we should be worshiping. He should be the one that we're giving everything to. And in fact, so many times we find ourselves, even if we're Christ followers, even if we're God followers, being consumed with other gods. In fact, I think even Christians struggle with this idea of idols, and that's exactly what David is talking about here in Psalm 115. Let's read the whole chapter together. He begins in verse 1. He says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love, and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And then he says this, their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. And then David goes on to describe these idols. Verse five, he says, they have mouths, but they don't speak. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. Noses, but they don't smell. They have hands, 
but they don't feel. They have feet, but they don't walk. And they do not, talking about the idols, make a sound in their throat. And then in verse 8, we're going to come back to this in a moment. He says, those who make them, those who make the idols, become like them. And then he adds this one little phrase that we're going to come back to in a moment. He says, so do all who. What's that next word? Trust them. Trust those idols, those false gods. He says in verse 9, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. We're going to come back to that concept a little bit next week. He says, O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He's talking about the Jewish people there. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. And he says, may the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down in silence. But we... He says, we will bless the Lord from this time forth forevermore. And he ends by saying, praise the Lord. Beautiful psalm. A beautiful psalm that I think sometimes we may, we may sing those words in a song and we may read them in, a, you know, in the Bible. We may read them in a, as, a, as a devotional or in church or something like that. But we, I think we truly miss the meaning of what, what David is trying to do here is he's trying to Give us a contrast in what happens in our lives. It happened with the nation of Israel. It happened with David. It happens with you. And it happens with me. And that is as we were created for God to be consumed with God. And yet we find ways easily to be for and to be consumed with and it can be consumed by something else. You know, I think what I see in, our, in my life and in our society, um, even in our churches, is the idea that um, idols spring up from a place that we maybe least expect it in a way that we don't see coming. And it's a problem because we least expect it and we don't see it coming. And so all of a sudden, it's something that is so incredibly difficult for us to remove. And that is, is that our idols really come from one place. They come from like this one kind of overarching idea, and that is a love of ourselves. We are, as a people, consumed with ourselves, aren't we? We are a people that are consumed with the idol and the God, small g, of ourselves. We have our image, our vanity, our success, our wealth, our ambition, and our interest. And we seem to be consumed all the time with what people think of us, what the world views as who we are. And if you have any question that that's true, just visit social media for a second and you'll see that to be true. Am I right? 
just is what it is. I love Ann Landers. She said, at the age of 20, we worry about what others think. At the age of 40, we don't care what others think. At the age of 60, we discover they haven't been thinking of us at all. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But David here is pleading with the people of God to not be consumed by other gods and other idols. My challenge to us today is to not be consumed by the idol of self. Because so many of the idols and so many of the struggles and so many of the things that take our time and our energy and our resources and our efforts spring from this love of self. And there's, there's this idea or this tension that there's, there's a sinful tendency on one side of this tension and the way we were designed or created by God on the other. And so this tension really says that we have this natural tendency because of sin to be consumed with ourselves, to be consumed with self-interest and, and, and you know, our self-promotion and self-gratification and, and this love of who we are, me, 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 I, 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 I want, I want, I want. And we get it as soon as we're born. We see it in our, our, our children, our infants, our babies, because as they approach the age of one, what do they learn to do? The very first thing in a human being's life is they learn how to share very well, don't we? <laughs> no, not at all. We learn right out, right as soon as we're born, we learn to take and take and take. And so we have this natural tendency to be consumed with ourselves. The tension lies is in this that we were created, we were designed to be consumed with God. And so we have this love of self that we have on one side, and we have this idea that we were created for, and we were created to be consumed by God on the other, and it creates this kind of unholy tension of, of what we deal with, and that's the temptation. That's, the, that's kind of like where we're, kind of our trajectory is, is towards God, but because of sin, our trajectory is back towards ourselves and what we want out of life. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves being consumed, not with God, but with ourselves. And I think David mentions it right out of the gates when he says, it's not to us, O Lord, not to us. It's not about us. It's about him and him alone, and that's what David says. See, not only is he the creator of creation, but he's the creator of you. I want you to hear that this morning. He created you, each one of you. He created you. He designed you. And and it doesn't matter where you are in your faith walk today. If you walked in today and you're skeptical and you're searching or you're seeking or you're just not sure about this whole religion and Christianity thing and this Jesus guy, um, I I can tell you this, that all of us in here, wherever we are in the spiritual continuum, we were created and designed to be consumed with God. I've heard other people say that we all have a God-shaped void in our lives. And the problem is, is that we try to place ourselves and our needs and our wants and our desires, we place ourselves where God should be. And that's what David is saying, I believe. What do we seek? We seek a lot of different things. We seek intellect. We seek power. We seek money. 
In our modern age, we seek desire and passion and success and even vanity. And some of those pursuits in and of themselves aren't, aren't the problem. The problem lies if we were created to be consumed with God, and yet we're being consumed with something else that is, takes the place of God. The focus is on ourselves. Oh, man. And we give up God's rightful position in our lives. We trade it. We trade it for self. We trade it for what we want out of life. And I don't know about you, but um, we easily can become the thing of our possessions. I mean, our obsessions. We can easily become the thing that we're consumed with. In fact, David mentions this in verse 8. Go back to verse 4 for a minute. He says, talking about these, these other nations and their gods, he says, their idols are silver and gold. Those are the idols. The work of, of human hands. They have mouths, they don't speak, eyes, they don't see, so on and so forth. Skip down to verse 8. Check out what he says there. He says, those who make them, say it with me, become them. Those who make them, say that next word with me, Become them. And so do all who trust in him. You see, we be, tend to become the thing of our obsession. If we give into it too much, if we give it too much time, if we give it too much energy, if we give it too much focus, all of a sudden we become that thing that we are being consumed by or consu- we are consumed with. But yet we were created, and our real aim in life is to glorify God alone, to realize that we're always second, and we allow our pursuit of God to shape our desires. Listen, God created us with natural human desires. He created us with natural human ambition. He created us to want certain things. Where we get it wrong, church, where we get it wrong is when we we are being consumed with and and we're being consumed by something else to a greater degree than we are allowing ourselves to be consumed with God. And so sometimes we get that statement the other way around. Sometimes we think our real aim in life is to glorify ourselves and our wants and our desires And all of a sudden, we wake up one day, and God has no place in our lives because we filled it with everything else that centers on me, me, me. How many of you are here today? I'm going to ask you to date yourself, okay? How many of you are baby boomers? Raise your hand today. All right. We've got a ton of baby boomers. Most, Most of you guys are baby boomers. I'm right behind you. I'm Gen X. You guys were the baby boomer generation was, was also called the me generation. Now, um, just so like I don't get a lot of hate mail, I don't think that was very fair to you baby boomers, all right? I'm the son of a baby boomer, and all you were trying to do was better yourself. You were trying to be more healthy. That's a good thing, right? You are trying to be more successful. It's not a bad thing, is it? You were, to provide, you were trying to provide more for your family, And the problem is is that all of those good things all of a sudden in a generation of people got out of control and someone came along and looked at the baby boomer generation and said, you guys are the me generation. Now look, I'm a Gen Xer, 
We have nothing that defines us, okay? So at least you had something, baby boomers, to define you, all right? But I don't think that we have a me generation problem. I think that we have a me, me, me humanity problem. And whether you're the greatest generation, the post-wars generation, whether you're the baby boomer generation, whether you're Gen X and nothing defines you, whether you're Generation Y, whether you're um, uh, uh, millennial or post-millennial, we all have a natural tendency because of sin to be pulled in the direction of focusing on the things that we want out of life. When in reality, we're created to be consumed and taken up with and focused our attention, our mind, our effort, our energy, and our resources on God. And my question for you today is, are you willing to allow God to identify an area or areas in your life that are focused on self, that have become an idol, that have become that thing that takes more time and energy and effort and resources than God does? Are you willing to identify that in your life? It's not a matter of do we have it. It's a matter of are we willing to identify what that is and ask the question, what am I being consumed by? That's what I want you to ask today. What are you being consumed by? And are you willing to be courageous enough to begin to die to that thing? that satisfies yourself, but pushes God out? Are you willing to take the steps to do the hard work to rid your life of that thing that's in that place of God in your life so that he can be put back in that place that you're designed for? Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you so much for giving us this word from David, your servant. And God, we don't have idols of old like they had back in that day. We don't have wooden idols. We don't have idols that are made out of metal. We don't have idols that we can physically throw, throw away and allow them to be consumed up. But God, we have idols in our life that are focused on our needs, our wants, our desires, our ambitions, our success. God, we have things in our life, each one of us in this room, that we are consumed with. And God, right now, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray that you, that your Holy Spirit would search us, each one of us in this room, and help us to identify that thing or those things that make us happy, that make us feel successful, that make us feel good, that we've put in our life in place of you. God, help us to identify what that is and give us the courage, give us the ability to be brave enough to begin to remove that thing from our lives so that we can once again make space for you, the one 
true God. The one that will satisfy everything. The one that will provide for all of our needs. That will help us through our trouble. God, may our lives not be about us. But God, may we be a people. May we be a church where our lives are focused towards you. May we be a people that with everything in our lives that we lift you up that we give you praise and that we give you glory and that we make you the famous one and not us. Help us in that endeavor. Help us in that effort. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.